welcome to Shades and Coffee, the almost weekly look good, feel good podcast presented by me, Vivian Braidwood. Stylish, contemporary, minimal, comfortable. I'm talking shoes and these shoes are designed especially for women who are comfortable and confident in their own skin, which is exactly how I describe my guest today, the designer and founder of Eska Shoes. We catch up at her West London studio and retail store. I'm reminded of some of my favourite childhood fairy tales as we talk red shoes, high heels and lightning bolt shoes that bestow superpowers to its wearer. We both find ourselves thinking there's no place like home as we talk about the current disasters we face here in the UK and in our countries of origin. Please welcome designer and founder of Eska Shoes, Soraya Karami Jives. How do you go from being an architect being a shoe designer. I loved every minute of my architecture studies. I really, really enjoyed it. When I graduated and I started work, I did not like the commercial aspect. I wanted to create a product that was all my ideas together. And then hopefully my customer will understand why I did this and will decide to buy it or not. Rather than a service where, for example, in architecture, where you've got to all the time try to please or try to kind of do what the customer wants. I mean, it's true that I'm trying obviously to create shoes that my customer want to buy, but it's more like I'm welcoming them to my world. And if they like it and I understand what I'm trying to do, then they're going to buy it for sure. When I speak to a lot of artists, whether they're painters, sculptors, whatever, I don't think I've ever heard of a story of someone doing something to a commission, if that makes sense. That's a rarer. Yeah. Normally they're just creating. And then they love the fact that the world then engages with their creation and they love to see how the world interprets their creation. So it seems like your soul is more satisfied with that side. For instance, when I've engaged an architect, I have the vision in my head. What I'm coming to you for is something else. And often you hear that's the problem. When you watch Grand Design, sometimes you think, you know, you can see the architect. They've kind of given birth to this amazing thing in their head, which they have based off the client's requirements. And then the client just starts cutting away at it and it starts to lose its integrity from the architect's point of view. So that must be a tough one. Totally agree with you. You summed it up exactly that. And I think when I decided to study shoe design, I knew straight away that I was going to start my own business. The studying was kind of the bridge. I wanted to learn more about making shoes and about how, how, you know, they're constructed. The design process less so because I felt that I kind of had the design process already, but more about making shoes. And I knew that as a consumer myself, as a woman who wants to buy shoes, I struggled a lot to find a type of shoes that I wanted to offer. Well, that's why I particularly love when designers wear their own collection, because I think as creators, I feel you best represent your brand. I feel for a lot of brands, there are stories behind them, emotions, feelings, memories, moments. And when I see a designer, like say Victoria Beckham and her clothing, when I see that from everything I've sort of you know, seen of her, know of her, it just connects. So if I want to buy those clothing, to me, there's so much more it represents. So I've seen some of the images of you wearing your collection and it says Esker Shoes. You design stylish and comfortable shoes for confident women, contemporary and minimal. So just met you today, but from just the images alone and a few short videos, you do definitely come across as very comfortable in your own skin. I love the combination of like floaty skirts and then these big chunky boots that, you know, that are really stylish. You play around with texture and color and a bit of bling, you know, with the gold design. Fabulous. You look like a lot of fun. 
He's always smiling, slightly mischievous look. And I like that because, yes, you can get these wonderfully sexy, gorgeous models. But what I get when I see you wearing your shoes, I feel like I just get it a bit more. And it, and it does actually resonate with me. I have a similar story to you in terms of footwear. So, yeah, I, I like that you're doing that. Honestly, without a doubt, I design for myself. Every time I design something, I want to wear it. I only wear my own shoes unless I'm wearing, you know, trainers to go and run or whatever, like something in the rain or wellies. Or, but mostly 99% I wear my own shoes. When I started 15 years ago, you have to either wear stiletto heels or, you know, sexy shoes and be in pain, which I never learned how to walk in them. So I never owned any. Or wear like trainers at the time when trainers were not trendy at all. So I want to wear something that looks good, but be comfortable. I don't want to suffer and wear something that is tight and hurts my feet because, oh yeah, actually it looks good. I mean, yes, of course you want to kind of follow a trend or, you know, these colors are back in trend or like there's a 70s feel. If it actually resonates with you and if it fits your personality, then of course you're going to wear it and embrace it. There were many trends that kind of came and I couldn't do them and they passed and I let them go. But other trends, like for example, the chunky boot, I just felt that I was part of it. I embraced it because I liked it. And I liked, as you said, that whole masculine, feminine. I've got more feminine shoes in my collection. I've got a bit more chunky, masculine, and I like the mixture of both. And even when you're When we're getting dressed, I like mixing both as well because we are all everything at the same time. One day you wake up and you say you want to wear, you know, like baggy ripped jeans with whatever, you know, and sparkly top. And other days you just kind of think, oh, I want to be a bit more cheeky or a bit more colorful. One day you wake up, you just like, I want to wear black, all black from top to bottom because I just actually don't want anyone to look at me. (laughs) So we all have these, all these personalities in us and we can wear all these different shoes. Definitely when I design, I have all these women in my head very clearly and I, I enjoy the process. And I feel that when I, when I'm designing for them, that I actually really want them to kind of understand what I tried to do and, and combining these elements, as you said, the style and the comfort, and absolutely no compromise on the comfort um, and for them to feel confident. So that makes me happy. I'm very happy to have found you actually in your brand because like you, I could never wear heels. I love the look of heels in terms of the design. They are sexy. I mean, I can imagine as a design thing, I've always loved them, but I could never wear them. A combination of things. I have a lordotic curve. So, you know, in terms of my center of gravity and I have the flattest feet you've ever seen, bar none. (laughs) I will show them to you. <laughs> and so I tried. I don't know if you ever watched Whoopi Goldberg, her earliest movies. Yeah. Yes, that's me. <laughs> so clickety clack walking, bottom sticking out, looking yeah. like I'm doing the funky chicken down the road. And my mother used to despair because she could wear heels. She wore heels all the time. She loved them. And we were the same size, foot size. So I tried, I practiced. I just couldn't do it. It also occurred to me that I prefer to be comfortable. I really do. So I have a strong masculine side and, you know, I have a feminine side. And the market just didn't cater for people like me. So I'd end up wearing things where if I felt good in them, I'd have someone saying, oh, they look crap. They look like granny shoes. So it's really nice to see a brand where it's fun. It's feminine, classic. Yes, if you do fashion, some of them are fashionable. So I think all credit to you. I'm particularly, I'm interested in your superpower shoes. So you say here, designed to make it to where I feel amazing. 
self-appreciation, strength, power. When I saw them, I immediately thought of, is it 2018, um, Serena Williams, French Open, and she had on this outfit. I think she just had a baby. Nine months later, she's there, and it was her, I think, her first win since having the baby. And all those kind of feelings came up. Those kind of feelings come up for you when you design or wear those shoes. A year ago, I designed the first, you know, that lightning bolt. For a long time, I, I really tried to have all my design very minimal. So it comes a little bit from my architectural background and also from the refusal of having decoration. The actual shape of the shoe is dictated by the function. So if there's a strap, it's because it has a function. You know, I've had my brand for 14 years now, so it evolved and it changed. But I'm talking that initially... I didn't want to have anything that you could remove. So it's just a decoration, like a bow, for example, or a star or whatever it is. So when I thought, okay, I'm going to add a, <clears throat> add a lightning bolt, I struggled to start with to kind of make myself or push myself to say, well, okay, I'm going to have a lightning bolt, but how am I going to make it work as like part of the design rather than, oh, I've just added something that literally, you know, just added as a decoration. And the first boot I designed was that high-heeled one, which is called Zold, which actually had the lightning bolt, but I've done the cut somehow as part of the bolt. The way it was done, I felt it also enhanced the shape of the heel, which was a block heel. The way it is just made you feel like when you step that you've got that kind of power that every time you, you're walking, you're walking with confidence. And, and I've done this lightning bolt in most of the designs, actually, in metallic. We want to wear something that would make us, you know, just feel good and something that would make you maybe when you wear them, make you smile internally, make you just feel like, oh, I'm just going to wear these and they're going to make me happy. And this is honestly like the best feeling ever when people, you know, just they come to the shop or they send me an email and they say, oh, I get compliments all the time on my shoes, on my boots. I'm like, this is the best thing because I know that, that that made them feel good about it. The infinite variations and tones of colors never cease to amaze me. In my salons, we stocked over 1,000 different colors in nail polishes, for instance, and clients would still ask could we get this one or that one and it just blew my mind that people needed that level of choice but then you're reminded you know when it's your turn to choose a color and you spend like 10 minutes and you still can't decide or if you're doing an interior decorating and you're looking at different shades of whatever color it is and you realize oh wow or if you wear lipstick or you know whatever it is you realize okay there's no such thing as just red I had someone treat me to color analysis I found that certain things that I would automatically think would go with my skin tone, people say, oh, red goes with dark skin. Oh, it really pops. And yet these colors would end up not being worn, like discarded, but sent to the charity shop. I kept thinking, why is that? And then someone bought me this treat and it was color analysis and it was the shade. It was the weirdest thing in terms of my skin tone. If I just a different shade, like autumnal colors really suit me. You wouldn't think so. My skin is brown, but browns, burnt oranges, the sort of things you see, you know, during autumn, the shades that the leaves turn. So that kind of fiery burnt orange and, you know, really suit me. But the red, red, like lipstick red, no. And it was just the shade because there are over a hundred shades, different tones, variations of of red. Never mind when you get into things like, do you want it gloss or matte or metallic? (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So it's nice to hear you're having lots of fun with that. Of course. 
Oh, I know. And, and actually, it's very, very similar. Sometimes I design something and it doesn't sell. To start with, you think, oh, is it the design? Is it the color? But like when you've had it in different colors and you know that this specific color didn't sell, you know for sure it's the color, not the design. And then I used to think, why? Like, why? And, and actually, you mentioned red. Red is a very, it's, it's quite controversial because if I do a red, a pure red, believe me, it doesn't sell. I want her to be able to wear these shoes or these boots with lots of different outfits. Love them, um, style them, different things, day and night. This is without a doubt um, my aim. So the shades, so if, we, if you go too flashy, she's not going to be able to wear them with lots of things. If I go with that brick red, which is a tiny bit more orange, a tiny bit more autumnal, like you mentioned, then people loved it and, and it worked really well because you can wear it with black, you can wear it with denim, you can wear it with skirts, with trousers. It's not too flashy. I mean, it is a strong color, but it's not hard to wear. And it is a tiny bit. It's just a shade different than the, the actual red, red. So now I'm designing, actually finalizing my colors for next summer. And some of the colors, I think, I know they're harder to sell, but I want them, especially after what we've been going through in 2020. I want spring, summer 21 to feel fresh and colorful and happy. I think now is definitely the time when people have more of an appetite for anything that can take them to that happy place. Yeah, 100%. I mean, we mentioned about feeling good in what you wear. So what are your top tips for people about looking and feeling their best in shoes? Main number one thing is for it to fit properly for it to feel, you know, once you're walking in them, they're comfortable. Um, You feel you can run to a bus stop without you know having to kind of wobble maybe experiment maybe see how how would you style them how would it feel to wear something a little bit different so they're great top tips in terms of disasters and things that could have happened this year in august you were on a plane about an hour away from landing at beirut airport when that horrific explosion happened I mean, can you tell me a little, a little bit more about that? And has that given yeah. you perspective in, in relation to everything else that's going on around you at this time? In general, as human beings, I think we, you know, we're all trying to be positive. We're trying. I tell myself the whole time, you know, I am totally fine. Some people have got it much worse than me all the time. I want to keep myself off the ground. I don't want to drown in, you know, in it, basically. And I do have friends in, in hospitality uh, who, who opened the restaurant like literally just before coronavirus happened. And it breaks my heart because they couldn't do anything. Whereas I feel, I mean, yes, I had to close the shop. And yes, I struggled in lots of ways, but my online business went on and I survived and I am fine. I could function. So, you know, I didn't furlough myself. No one in my family got sick. So we are quite lucky in this sense. Now, a month before I went to Beirut, my dad passed away. That was the hardest thing because I was here and he was in Lebanon and I couldn't make it, obviously, to the funeral. I arrived late, but I did make it and I spent a week with my family. That was obviously heartbreaking, very, very hard. Came back to London, had to quarantine for two weeks, waited for the kids to finish school. On the 4th of August, we flew back to Lebanon there has been lots of unrest and protest and there's a whole financial crisis going on in Lebanon. It's unbelievably tense. Uh, people can't get 
you know, their money out of their bank accounts of the money that they have saved, actually, they can't get, get it out of the bank. Millions and millions of stories like this, people losing their jobs, people getting paid, the inflation, plus the political unrest, COVID came on top of it all. Anyway, I decided, even with everything happening and with the fact that I knew I was going to have to come back and quarantine again with my kids, took the risk and said, I'm going to have to take my children um, because I want them to see my, my mom and spend time with my family because of my dad and just thought that it would be best for all of us to be together. And then here we are on this flight. I'm crying most of it anyway because I'm just feeling very emotional. And then we see this fire uh, when we're landing and I tell my daughter that, oh, look, there's a fire. It didn't click in my head that actually the fire was so huge that how would I see it so clearly from the plane? Anyway, landed. When you open your, turn on your phone and you start getting messages from people you haven't heard of in years who live in, I don't know, New York or Canada or whatever, saying, I hope everything's okay with your family. You're like, what? What happened? What, why? What, why everything's okay? By the time the messages caught up and my husband trying to get hold of me and my sisters who were supposed to get me from the airport are calling and actually roaming wasn't working because obviously everyone's trying to use the network. Anyway, complete panic. The airport was not affected, so we managed to get out of the airport. The road to where we were going was all damaged, so we, we had to do detours. Bottom line is that my, both my sisters live in Beirut, and they were both very affected um, mentally, emotionally, physically, their houses, everything. And one of my sisters works with the Red Cross, so she actually saw the craziest things. She was in the middle of it. I took the kids to Tripoli, where my family is, which is an hour north of Beirut. And it was a little bit further away from the whole thing. So they were a little bit protected. But still, everyone's glued on the TV. Everyone's talking about what's happening. So it was quite intense, the severity, how big the whole thing is. And I went there to mourn my dad. Like I went there wanting to kind of like just sit with my mom and my sisters and talk about my dad and like, you know, spend some quality time together, ended up like literally just our minds blown away by how big this whole thing is and very emotionally disturbing in so many ways. Kids felt very unsafe. They want to sleep with me in my bedroom the whole time. And, and it could have been actually much worse because of COVID. Actually, I think the day before or that day, there was a kind of a lockdown. People were working from home anyway. So there was not much commuting on when it happened. It could have been much, much worse. It could have been, you know, not happened if politicians, if our government now politicians actually had anything in their heads or their hearts to kind of prevent it from happening. But they didn't. They're corrupt. It's such a corrupt government such a corrupt political system that to let it happen in the first place and you just feel angry 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 and I just didn't want I remember coming back and thinking I'm leaving them actually I'm leaving my mom and my sisters behind and my friends and everyone I know and my bigger family and my heart's broken because I can't do anything like I tried to help I mean you try and you give money to the Red Cross and you do this but it's a bigger problem and of course, we have lots of problems here. There are people who can't eat or lost, lost their jobs and everything. But you, at least you feel here that whatever happens, there would be someone to help you. The government is there. There is like a judiciary system that will protect you, whatever happens. Whereas there, 
you know that actually it's so corrupt and whatever happens, you're not safe. So it was a very tough summer. And I now looking back, you know, I think my heart bleeds for everyone there. And a lot of people who are from a different country living in, you know what I mean, like, you know, whether it's Lebanese living in the UK or any other combination, you're always struggling between the two identities. I have, you know, my family is here. I, I am based in London. I am kind of, my heart is in, is in London now. But I'm also Lebanese and, and my family's there. And when I'm there, I want to come back here. When I'm here, I want to go back there. It's always this struggle of identities. And sometimes my two identities are reconciled and sometimes they're not. Sometimes, sometimes I get tired from one of them and I want the other one. And, and I know that a lot of people who are in a similar situation as me feel the same. And it's very hard when one of your identities is going through a crisis that you just want to kind of help them and you can't. We're all trying to be positive. It could have been worse. And at the end, we've got to ride this wave and we've got to, to think that it will get better it, yeah. here and in Lebanon and with everyone. And, and hopefully it will. Yeah, thank you so, so much for sharing. I mean, you really are not alone. A lot of people, more than you think, will understand what you're saying because it's so many people do have a foot in two camps, whether they're, you know, Irish or Scottish or American or Italian or Australia, that like the whole world is here. And in general, the world is a global village. We move around. You will feel that what you're describing, I think, is more intense when you're a first generation immigrant. I'm a first generation. I came here from Nigeria. And in the way that you shone a light on what's happening on Lebanon, which is what I wanted to do in asking that question. So thank you for being so honest. Um, you know, this stuff happening in Nigeria now in relation to Stop SARS. You know, I think it's powerful what you said. And you in particular, because you also share, you mentioned how you share things with your clients and your audience. And you were so transparent. I mean, I quickly touched on um, your Instagram, which is how I know about this. And I was shaken just reading your account of it. And you were writing to your clients. That's great. Because I think when people hear these stories, you don't realize to what extent you touch them sounds weird to say but I think you comfort them I sort of felt you know slightly comforted because then you you're reminded you're not alone we are all one if people want to find out more about you know your shoes your design your background what's the best channels to look you up so the website of eskeshoes.com and my Instagram account which um, a lot of it is about shoes but you will find as you said from time to time some personal notes you know, how sometimes we all kind of, you might not be in the mood to talk about your personal life. There are times where actually I want to talk and I want to tell. I remember it was my 10th wedding anniversary a few years ago and I did a post where, <laughs> where I said something like, you know, marriage is a difficult thing. Humans are not made to be married. I'm happily married. Like, <laughs> and I remember my husband reading the post and saying, are you out of your mind? <laughs> and I said, well, this is, this is the truth. I mean, I say at the end, I, like I'm saying, I love you and, and I'm still with you, but it's, it's tough. And I think lots of people commented and said, you know, so true. And not a lot of people talk about it like this. Oh, my darling, 10 years of happiness. It's not fucking 10 years of happiness. <laughs> I'm sure your husband oh, agrees. Come on. He agrees, but he couldn't understand that I'm putting it on the Eskishu's Instagram account. He just could not believe it. That is the beauty of your brand, as you said before, the fact that you have this window 
into you know your heart your soul and um, you're able to connect with your client base in that way thank you so much uh, Saraya. oh thank you thank it was you. lovely lovely meeting you likewise you've been listening to me vivian braidwood ask me any lifestyle related question or let me know which topic you'd like me to cover during our essential coffee break tag me and use the hashtag shades and coffee with vivian on twitter or instagram if you like this podcast hit subscribe and please rate us Shades and coffee. Look good, feel good.